0: Shalom, Mishpochah. Shalom, family. Mishpochah is a Hebrew word, means family. And we're the Mishpochah, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. Finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishpochah, to blow the grandest shofar, or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. Oh, we want everyone, everywhere, red hot from the Messiah. I mean, if not now, when? Well, my guest, Craig Hill, I've known for many years. He's newest member of our board of, on our board of directors. Uh, and uh, Craig, when I found out that you wrote a book about the need for the father's blessing, for the parents' blessing, and I, I just know from personal experience. That for myself and for most of the people I know, they didn't really have what you define as a father's blessing and the difference it makes in their lives. Uh, For instance, uh, as you know, I come from a Jewish background Mm -hmm. and I went to a traditional Jewish synagogue, but there was a catch. The catch was everything was in Hebrew. I did not understand what was going on. And today, because of my studies, I understand that I was so blessed, but but my mind didn't know it, but I was so blessed. But by osmosis, I have noticed with myself and with, not with all, but with many of my Jewish friends, we're walking under a supernatural blessing. And I have to believe it has something to do, even though I didn't understand it, it has something to do with our, uh, we are taught to bless our family, bless our children. Uh, and, And then when I was reading some of your material, I was astounded at what has happened to so many Jewish people. that. I believe we can say, is based on the parent's blessing.
1: You know, an incredible thing, Sid, uh, that you were just alluding to is there is something supernatural about a parent's blessing. It's not just words. It's not just something they do. But there's actually a supernatural release, something that happens in the spirit when there's a blessing from a father or a mother. And we have seen it so many, many times with people. You know, it's amazing. The Hebrew word to bless is the word baruch, and, of course, every Jewish person would have heard that many, many times. Uh, Most prayers begin with baruch night. <laughs> exactly. And that word baruch... It uh, literally means to kneel in front of, and that's an incredible— But, you know, I didn't—coming from a Jewish background, I didn't even know that. You know, that's an amazing thing because normally in our culture and almost every culture, when you think about blessing somebody, the person who is blessing stands over the one who's being blessed and looks down on them. You know, I bless you, my son. But this Hebrew concept, Baruch, is to kneel before someone. And we see even Yeshua did not remain in heaven, look down from heaven upon us on the earth and say, well, I bless you people on the earth. No, he came to earth. And he humbled himself. He became one of us. He looked up into our eyes, and he spoke blessing to us. He said, I love you. I would die for you. I will forgive you. I will heal you, and made all these things available to us. And uh, the incredible thing that you were talking about, Sid, alluding to is that we see people uh, today who are blessed by their parents. Something supernatural is released in their lives, and many people who are not blessed by parents— are lacking many areas. uh, You find that people don't prosper in their life. And I found that's the other meaning of that word to bless, Baruch in Hebrew, is to empower to prosper. So when you bless someone, you empower them to prosper, and when you fail to bless someone, or if you do the opposite, which is to curse someone, you actually disempower them from prospering.
0: And, and what I find that's interesting, Craig, is it's generational because we learn. You know, I'm amazed when I look, I look myself in the mirror, and I see, I see my father. I never, I never saw that I looked like my father, but in effect. I have picked up some of the things my father did, some of the things my mother did. And then as a father myself,
1: I passed on the good and the bad and the ugly. I didn't know the difference. Yeah, that's right. There are absolutely generational patterns that pass down from one generation to the next to the next. And of course, it was God's plan that uh, every father, every mother would impart to their sons and daughters blessing, which would release them to prosper in all kinds of areas.
0: Now, speaking of these blessings, tell me those statistics, because
1: they're amazing to you, me you know, with Jewish people. It really is an incredible thing. Here in the United States, Jewish people make up only two percent of our U.S. population, yet 40 percent of the 40 wealthiest uh, Americans, uh, the 400 wealthiest Americans are Jewish. And then uh, 20% of all professors at leading universities are Jewish. 40% of all the partners in uh, leading law firms in New York and Washington, D.C. are Jewish. 30% of all U.S. Nobel Prize winners in science are Jewish. 25% of all Nobel Prize winners overall are Jewish. And yet this small group is only 2% of the population. I was asking God, why would that be? I mean, how can 2% make up 20%, 30%, 40% in education, in science, in, uh, in finance? Why is that? And you know what I think it is? What? I think it's because there is a supernatural impartation that comes from parents, Jewish parents, into the hearts of their children. There's something Jewish people do that most uh, other people don't do. And, and here is the tragedy, if you will.
0: We that know the Messiah are under a better covenant with better blessings and yet because we have missed the supernatural power in the blessing or the flip side is the supernatural power in the cursing right we are not walking in anything compared to those that don't even know Jesus. Well,
1: wouldn't you think that the statistic would be that all the grafted-in people and the natural tree would all have one statistic, and then everybody else would have a different one? But that's not how it is. It's the natural Jewish people, the natural-born, have one statistic, and then all the grafted-in believers in Messiah have a different statistic. And I believe that's because we don't understand the power of blessing. You know, as I was studying that out, I discovered that blessing does something that causes the soul to prosper and people don't realize hmm. that third john 2 says beloved i pray that in all respects he may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers and we find that many many people do not prosper in their soul they don't prosper in their physical health they don't prosper in their marriage they don't prosper in their finances and many times it's lack of blessing the incredible thing is jewish people many times not even knowing messiah actually will impart blessing to their children that causes their soul to prosper for example Why is it that a Christian uh, child growing up has the idea, when I grow up, I want to work in the bank, and the Jewish child growing up has the idea, when I grow up, I want to own the bank? Why would that be? Why would it be that the Christian growing up thinks, I hope I could become a movie actor, and the Jewish child growing up thinks, "I want to own the movie studio."
0: You know what I, I noticed? When the owners of these studios from the very first motion pictures, most of them
1: were Jewish. Absolutely. What? How did that thought get in their minds? And you know what I think it is? What? I think it came from God as an impartation of blessing through parents. Define to me what what
0: blessing is. You already told me something that I did not understand. Sure. And that is the humbling of those that bless someone else, the, 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 the humility of the person even blessing someone.
1: Right. So it literally means in Hebrew to kneel before, but then it, the spiritual connotation is to empower, to prosper. But uh, another way that I define it is when you bless somebody, you're speaking God's word about that person. What does God say about that person? Cursing someone is the opposite. It would be to say what Satan says about that. And uh, why do Jewish people prosper? I think because many times, even just once a week on uh, Shabbat, their families gather together and that father will look his son or daughter in the eyes and he'll say to, to uh, that son's son, Son, you're not an ordinary young man. You're a Jewish young man. That means you're connected by covenant to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You can expect to prosper in all that you do. And there's a vision that's imparted. But you know, I don't believe that God intended for Jewish people to have a monopoly on blessing. Sid, that's for Every one of us, every person listening to this broadcast today can have that same benefit by learning how to bless their children. And for many of us, the reason we don't know how to bless is our parents didn't know how to bless us. And so we have to learn all over again. But that's God's purpose is to instruct us now. We can learn from God our Father how to do for our children perhaps what our parents were never able to do for us. What what
0: about someone that's... uh... 50, 60, 70 years old, and they were
1: never really, they can't remember being blessed by their parents. Uh, Is it too late for them? You know, it's an—it's never too late in God for anything. And one of the most amazing... Uh, but what, what, what if their parents are dead? Yeah, if their parents are dead, they're not going to receive a blessing from their parents, but they can receive directly from the Father, from the Heavenly Father, blessing that they never received from an earthly father. And they can learn how to impart that even in the next generation to their children and grandchildren. I saw one man now receive a blessing from his earthly father on his 65th birthday. His dad was 87 years old. And do you know, Sid, it was life-changing, dramatic for him, totally changed things on the inside, changed his marriage. He was actually in the midst of a divorce. And the blessing that came from his 87-year-old father on his 65th birthday was so life-transforming for him that his wife returned two weeks later and said, I don't know what happened to him, but he's a totally different man. He, he's the man I thought I fell in love with 45 years ago, uh, but he's been like a little boy on the inside for 45 years. Uh, you must be astounded when you hear the feedback of people that uh, have
0: read your book the power of parents' blessing, and the two CDs that we've just added to it are putting it in a whole new plane. Now, in the book, you actually have prayers of how people should be bless other people, and but That's even right. more exciting to me, even beyond the blessing, is you have ways of closing doors, of reversing the curses that have been said over people's lives, uh, literally. I'll tell you, I I wish. Now, I asked my father before he died to bless me. He didn't understand what I was doing, but I understood the power of the blessing. What a difference it's made in my life, but I want that difference to occur in your life and in your children's life. I want to get this book in your hand, and then we have a powerful two-CD set series called Soaking Up the Father's Blessing, and I got my friends that are mature in the Lord, that understand the Father's blessing to pray blessings over you. How would you like two CDs full of the greatest Christians on the planet blessing you? All available for a gift of $35. Call our order only line 1-800-447-2697. 447 2697 explain to me what you
1: mean by a culture of honor. Well, we talk a lot Sid, about a culture of blessing and a culture of honor and, that, and and we were defining blessing as speaking what God says about another person and cursing is speaking what Satan says about another person. So, you know when you put it that way, who would want to speak over anyone what Satan says?
0: And yet, we don't even it, it doesn't we don't even have to think to let that out of
1: our mouth because we've been programmed to do it. Well, and it's all around us. For example, uh, if you go in a lunchroom at any business place, uh, what are the employees talking about? Uh, do they say, wow, I am so blessed to work at this company. They pay us more than we're worth. They give us more benefits than we deserve. And they're, they're in, this is an incredibly blessed place to work. No, many times people are complaining. And uh, it's a culture of dishonor, dishonoring authority, dishonoring parents. Uh, you know,
0: in, in sports, they use the term a lot, disrespect.
1: Yes, I hear that. But the reason they use that is we're in a culture that disrespects. That's true. And it really starts in the family. I think I think of Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, a very familiar scripture. It says, honor your father and mother. And then it gives two reasons. It says, as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. And so that's an interesting thing it tells us right there, that people who learn how to bless their parents and honor their parents, two things will happen. They will live longer, and it will go well with them. And I have seen just in ministering to people many, many times in adult life, people have come with all kinds of problems. They'll say, I have problems in my marriage. I have problems with my children. I have problems in finances. And many times I've been led to just ask them, you know, was there a time, especially in teenage years, where you made a choice to dishonor your father or your mother. Maybe they wounded you. Maybe they treated you unjustly. But instead of forgiving them, what you chose to do was to judge them, dishonor them, cut them out of your life and say, I don't need my father. I don't need my mother. Because when you do that, what you just did is two things. You shortened your life. And uh, you ensured that you will not prosper. And you know, Sid, the most amazing thing is I've had many people can remember back sometimes to the day... When they made that decision to dishonor a father or mother in their heart and to begin to curse that father or mother, to begin to speak in their heart evil things or things that were not what God said about that father or mother, and the consequence of that is you find that doors are opened in the spirit realm that cause people not to prosper in their own marriage with their own children, in their own finances, in their physical health. I had one man tell me this. When he got an understanding of that, he said, I remembered right back to... uh, when uh, my father had wounded me, said some unkind things, got angry, and I made a decision, I'm not gonna have anything to do with my father again. I'll just close the door, shut him out of my life, and uh, the amazing thing was, here this man was, uh, a couple decades later, struggling in relationship with his own children. He had a 17-year-old son and a 15-year-old daughter. And he said, uh, they are so disrespectful to to me and to their mother and uh, rebellious and dishonoring. Oh, okay. you're,
0: you're, you're talking to someone right now. Yeah. And they're saying... I'm wondering why my children are this way, and then, oh, light bulb's going on. I was that way.
1: Uh, What did this person do, and what can the people listening do? What this man did is when he got an understanding of that, right then he repented and asked God to forgive him. He said, God, I acknowledge I did that. I dishonored father or mother. Uh, And in this case, it was his father. He repented, asked God to forgive him. He actually went and visited his father the next day. And here's the amazing thing, Sid. He didn't tell anybody what he was doing. He didn't tell his wife or his kids. He went to visit his dad and asked his dad, who was still alive, to forgive him. Said, Dad, please forgive me for the attitude I had in teenage years. And uh, his dad, of course, wept, and and they had a wonderful time of uh, restoration. And the man told me this when I returned home, the attitude... of my own son and my own daughter had completely changed. It was supernatural. Something changed, and they began to honor me in a way that they never had. I think several people are listening right now, and I'd like to lead you in a prayer. If if that is your situation and and you're being triggered right now to think, I did that. I dishonored my father and mother. I can remember the exact time. Would you just—
0: I can remember many times, unfortunately. So how about I'll repeat
1: the prayer after you and the people repeat it with me perfect let's do it that way so if that's your case would you just pray this prayer right now and you can break this cycle over your life and your children so let's say this father god father god i recognize today i recognize today I did dishonor my
0: parents. I did dishonor my parents. And I made a decision to judge them. And I made a decision to judge them. And not forgive them. And not forgive them. I acknowledge today that was wrong. I acknowledge today that was wrong. And God, I ask you to forgive me. And God, I ask you to forgive me. Thank you that Messiah Yeshua died for me. Thank you that Messiah Yeshua died for me. To forgive me for that sin. To forgive me for that sin. And
1: I ask your forgiveness. And I ask your forgiveness. And I receive forgiveness. And I receive forgiveness. And I
0: pray that you would use me from this day forward. And I pray that you would use me from this day forward. As an
1: agent of blessing in my own family. As
0: an agent of blessing in my own family. Amen. Amen. Tell me about that man uh, that uh went to his father for his father to bless him, and it ended up in the father's salvation.
1: Well, there was a—I've heard that story actually many, many times, but uh, one of the first ones I heard was a man that uh, heard what we're talking about right now and realized he had dishonored his father, never honored him, and he made a decision to reverse that, went to his dad, repented, and said, Dad, please forgive me for the attitude I've had in my heart, and— asked his dad to uh, forgive him and began to honor him and bless him. And do you know, it was only a couple of weeks later that his dad uh, asked uh, his wife, could I go to church with you? His wife uh, was a person who went to church and, and he had never gone to church. He went to church and uh, gave his life to uh, Messiah uh, just two weeks later. And what was amazing is the adult son had sent him tracts and books and, uh, and uh, CDs and invited him to meetings, and none of that had ever had any effect on him. Most of the time he wouldn't go, but even when he did, he, he was never impacted by it. And yet when this son repented and began to bless his dad, it released something in the supernatural, and uh, it was only a couple weeks later and his dad gave his heart to the Lord. Well, you know, you're triggering something right now, Craig, uh, in me,
0: because after I became – a, I didn't get saved till I was 30. Mm-hmm. And after I became a believer, I began to realize what you're teaching. And so I went to my father. Talk about disarming someone. I said, Dad, would you bless me? He looked at me with with like – what is he saying? <laughs> I, I can't comprehend this, this. This son of mine, this Jesus freak, because he was an Orthodox Jew and not yeah, a believer right. in Jesus. But something broke when I asked him to bless me, and he ended up on his deathbed receiving Jesus. And I have an idea. It happened When I asked him
1: to bless me, I I think you're right, Sid. Blessing always opens the heart, cursing closes the heart. People don't realize that. There are many husbands and wives who curse each other. Many wives are thinking, Oh, I wish my husband would be a spiritual man. I wish he'd be a man of God. I wish he'd change. And yet, do they bless their husbands? No. Many wives are busy cursing, complaining, criticizing. If they will reverse that and begin to bless, that will cause that husband's heart to open. That will cause a father's heart to open, just like you said. And we have heard uh, testimony after testimony after testimony uh, of people who have gotten saved, who have received Messiah, when uh, somebody around them began to bless them instead of curse them. But, but there's got to be a way to stop
0: this cycle of from generation to generation uh, uh, of the separation between children, of divorces, of financial difficulties. And I believe the, the key is what you're talking about. We don't
1: hear this spoken about that much. No, you're absolutely right. The key to stopping the destructive cycle of dysfunction in families is blessing. When one person grabs hold of it and a husband and wife begin to bless each other, and then a, and then a, a father and mother learn how to bless their children. I actually saw in Scripture seven critical times when I believe God intended for there to be an impartation of blessing, because you know what blessing actually does, Said It It establishes identity and destiny in the hearts of children. And, uh, When uh, people have never been blessed, do you know that many people spend a lifetime wandering around trying to find a purpose, trying to find why am I here? Am I loved? Am I valuable? Looking for a man, looking for a woman who will love me, who will make me feel valuable, looking for something important to do. If I could just make enough money, if I could just attain a high enough position, I would make this feeling of worthlessness go away. That all ties back to a lack of blessing. Craig, we're talking about a culture
0: of honor. We're talking about changing the destiny of young people. But what I'm beginning to see is that, well, take me. If I do the right thing by my children, I not only change their destiny, but I change their children's 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 destiny, but I even do something more. I change my destiny no matter how
1: old I am. So it's win-win. That's absolutely true. And you know, this concept of blessing, Sid, that we've been talking about this week, to speak what God says about a person, what I realized is this— Blessing coming from a father or coming from a mother settles something deep in the heart of every person. It answers two critical questions. The first question is Who am I? Am I loved? Am I valuable? Do I mean anything? Does my life count? And the second question Why am I here? what is my purpose? Do I have a destiny? Do I have a purpose? Or am I just taking up food, air, and water on the planet? And I think the reason many, many people don't feel a strong sense of purpose is they've never been blessed. Blessing is something that imparts a destiny, a settled sense of purpose and identity, and and answers those questions, who am I and why am I here? As a matter of fact, here's an amazing thing. We see even in Scripture that uh, Jesus himself didn't begin his ministry, didn't do one miracle, didn't preach one sermon until he received blessing from his heavenly father, the voice came out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Do You know, I believe that released something supernatural in Jesus to accomplish his destiny. If he needed that, how much more so every one of us. And you know, so many people,
0: uh, because perhaps their parents have died or because there's just no way their parents are going to bless them, uh, they they feel like orphans. Well, that's... And, 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 and that's why we put together uh, a two-CD series of some of the top Christians in America imparting blessing. Now, it's very important for a mother and a father to bless the children, but you point out there's something special about a father's blessing, and that's why these are all fathers that yeah. are
1: blessing on this special 2CD series. Yeah, there's something that uh, I think God intends for blessing to come from both of mother and a father and primarily in the earlier years of life mother is the primary one God is using. He uh, God is using a mother to create security, to create basic trust to know that I can trust somebody bigger and stronger and smarter than myself and that is mother. But then when we come into teenage years, mom steps off stage, dad steps on stage, and dad is the one that has the word of the Lord to release a boy to be a man and also to release a girl to be a woman. It's interesting, in every culture of the world, God put a ceremony at the time of puberty to release a boy to be a man and a girl to be a woman. Every Every culture has that except our north american based culture hmm. uh, european based culture we don 't have that anymore, and do you know the consequence of that i 've found Sid is that uh, I meet many, many adult people who deep on the inside, still feel like a little boy or a little girl, and that feeling does not go away with any age uh, people i mean when does a when does a boy become a man? Is it at 16 or 18 or 21 or when he marries, when he fathers a child, when he gets a job, when he graduates from university? When is it? Nobody knows. One wise person said this, A boy becomes a man when his father says so. But what if the father doesn't know how to do that? What if his father never did that for him? What if the father's absent and uh, and a boy is growing oh, up in a I single... Look how many families are single parent Ex- today. Exactly. And, you know, here's an amazing thing. I was looking at the divorce statistics one time, uh, probably 10 years ago here in America, as to... Uh, When's the most common time of divorce uh, relative to the age of children? And it's a bell curve like most statistics, but the most common time is right before the time of puberty of the firstborn child. And I realized that is a strategy of the devil to remove the father from the house so that he is not available to impart that blessing, which will release that boy into his destiny. And and you explained there are certain
0: times, seven in particular, where it's critical, and that's one of those
1: critical times. That's one of those critical times. That's exactly right. And what we're talking about in, in restoring a culture of blessing and a culture of honor here in our society, if you would have grown up in the days of Yeshua, In the Hebrew culture uh, 2,000 years ago, you would have naturally been blessed by your parents at every one of these seven critical times because it was just in the culture. You couldn't do it wrong. Uh, Whereas today in our culture, just this one time, for example, the time of puberty to release a boy to be a man or girl to be a woman, how much chance you might miss that in our culture? Well, a huge chance. How many people are going to have that happen? Not many, And uh, yet in in Jesus' time, in that Hebrew culture, how much chance that wouldn't happen for you? Almost zero. It happened for almost everybody. And so uh, there's— I mean, every Jewish boy would have a bar mitzvah. Yeah, and and
0: and 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 be welcomed into the adult community. Exactly, that, that
1: is the passage right there. E- exactly, and that's a normal thing that should be for everybody. And you know what we find today, Sid, is that many times people are cursed rather than blessed at the time of uh, puberty, or at other times. You know, many times parents impart. Uh, Satan's message to their son or daughter and don't realize it. You know, one, one man told me this story. He said, uh, when I was six years old and I was in primary school, I wasn't doing very well. And he said, I guess my dad wanted to motivate me. And my dad was a wealthy businessman. So what he did was this. He took me for a ride in his car uh, and he had a brand new Cadillac, drove me around town, let me sit in the back seat. And at the end of the drive, he said, son, I hope you enjoyed the ride because you'll never have a car like this because you're stupid. Oh, Now, that's a prophetic word. The problem is it doesn't come from God. It's an image of the devil for that young man. You're stupid. Now, what I think is an amazing thing, we were talking about this earlier in the week, Jewish people have a natural tradition once a week on Erev Shabbat on Friday night. They gather their family together, and the father says something perhaps like this over his son. Son, you're not an ordinary boy. As a matter of fact, you've become a young man. And son, I want you to know you're not like other young men you're a Jewish young man, that means you can expect to prosper because your God, His hand is upon you. You will be blessed. You'll be blessed in your education. You'll be at the top of your class. You'll be at the top of your profession. And son, I want you to know, I love you. I'm proud of you. Now, if a father says something like that to his son, 52 weeks a year, some 18, 20 years, that son lives in that house, that's that's a prophetic word that he's imparting every week, every week, every week. What will happen to that son? Exactly what his father prophesied. That, that picture, that
0: image inside, that negative inside will become a picture.
1: Yeah. And, and on the other hand, what happens if a father, let's, let's take a young woman growing up, for example. Uh, she needs a blessing from her father to, to let her know you're beautiful, You're a woman. You're not a little girl anymore. You're attractive. Men will want to to know you. They will want to be attracted to you. You don't have to run around and worry whether you'll be married or not. Any man would love to have you as his wife because you're beautiful. Who should impart that to her? Her father. What if he doesn't know to do that so he never does? What will she do? She'll go and search for that affirmation, that love and that blessing from other peers, from other young men her age, and she may dress in a provocative, promiscuous way. Suppose she does that and her father sees her going out of the house dressed in a, in a provocative way. He may say to her, you're not going out of the house like that. Why, that blouse is way too low. Uh, those jeans are too tight. There's too much skin showing in the middle. You go back upstairs right now, young lady, and change your clothes. Why, if you, why you, you look like a prostitute. You keep dressing like that. I wouldn't be surprised if you're pregnant inside of a year. Now, whose image did he just impart? See, he cursed his daughter. That was Satan's vision. And that was the
0: last thing he even wanted to do. Why did he do it? Because his parents
1: probably did the same thing. Exactly. And not only that, because he's blind. He didn't know. Why is his daughter dressing in a provocative way? Because she's looking for blessing that he never gave her, and now he just imparted Satan's message, you'll be pregnant. Now, somebody's listening, and uh, there's a woman listening right now, and your husband did exactly that to your daughter, and you're afraid. What's going to happen? Do you know that you can pray to nullify those words and to let your daughter know, no, no, That's not true. You're not going to be pregnant. That's not God's vision. You are beautiful, and uh, there's nothing wrong with you. You can reverse those words by speaking the very words of God over your daughter. And uh, if a husband, a father has done that, and you're listening to this, repent. Ask your daughter to forgive you. Go to her and say, honey, the words I said the other night I know wounded you, and they are not the truth. You're not a prostitute. You're a beautiful young woman of God. I want to let you know I love you. I'm proud of you. There's nothing wrong with you. If you do that, uh, you'll be imparting God's message, God's impartation of blessing, and that will change your daughter's life. Uh, You know, you point out, Greg, that a parent's blessing— Will
0: transform someone supernaturally. No matter what their age, they could be in their eighties. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, and and also we have to talk about people whose parents have never blessed them and won't. And that's why we put together this two CD set called "Soaking Up the Father's Blessing." I can see you. I I, I selected my friends that I believe have a mantle of a father upon them, an anointing of a father upon them, and they will bless you, and you'll be listening to these tapes over and over until that forms inside of you, and then... Craig's book, The Power of a Parent's Blessing, with prayers, how to, especially how to close those doors of curses. Some men have, uh, uh, and women have been involved in abortion, and these are doors that have to be closed. The prayers are all there. Uh, we're making this entire package available to you for a gift of $35. Call or write today for The Power of a Parent's Blessing. Call our order-only line. I'm sure there are uh, people listening to us right now where their parents gave birth to them and uh, the mother wasn't even married. Uh, Craig Hill, uh, what happens to that little
1: girl, that little boy that's that's raised in that environment? Well, Sid, we're talking about seven critical times of blessing, and the very first time when God intended for there to be a blessing is right at the time of conception. And what does blessing mean? It means that when you're conceived, you're conceived within the protective hedge of the covenant of marriage, and that your parents want a child. To be cursed is to be conceived outside of the protective hedge of marriage, and maybe your, your parents... Don't want a child. And uh, I was, uh, I had a dramatic experience one time when a a mother came to me and she said, I wonder if you could help me. She said, "Uh, I have a five year old little boy who's full of lust. I said, That's a strange thing. Most little boys that are five years old I know aren't even alive to sex, they're not even awake to it. It doesn't mean anything to them. She said, "Uh, That's true, but not my son. My son is completely alive to sexual things just like an adult, he knows all the latest sexual jokes. Uh, he, uh, he feeds on pornography if he can ever get hold of it. Uh, he touches other little girls his age in inappropriate ways and even grown women. And they don't realize, uh, they don't think he's doing anything or he knows what he's doing, but he knows exactly what he's doing. She says, every week I uh, have calls from the principal or the teacher at school because of uh, horrible things that he's done of, uh, of a sexual nature. And uh, she said, uh, I don't know how this ever could have happened because uh, he's never been around people like this or people who think like this. And uh, he's never been sexually violated or molested himself. I don't know where he could have picked this up and uh, she said, can you help me? I said, well, I can pray for you. And uh, her pastor was standing right there, and he was nodding and affirming, you know, it really is as bad as she says. So uh, we sat down in the pastor's office, and uh, I said, Lord, what do we do? I heard the Holy Spirit say, just start at the very beginning of the little boy's life and ask her, how was he conceived? So I said, could you share with me how was your son conceived? Tears came to her eyes, and she said, well, Actually, that was at a very immoral time in my life, and uh, uh, I was uh, as close as I can tell, probably with more than one man on the night that he was conceived, and I'm not even sure for sure which one was his father. She said that lifestyle continued for another three months, and then I gave my life to the Lord. I was delivered from the lust and never involved in that kind of immorality again. Uh, but uh, I have no idea how my son could have gotten this. And the moment she said that, I heard the father speak to me, and he said, that little boy was demonized by a spirit of lust at the moment of conception because there was no spiritual hedge of protection of the covenant of marriage. And... uh, And I thought, God, can that even happen? Can a little boy be demonized in the womb or be demonized even at conception? And uh, the Lord said, well, that's what happened to him. And uh, I realized something I'd never realized. I, I heard the father say, son, for the first time, you understand the law of Moses. I thought, the law of Moses, I began thinking about that. Oh, yeah, in the law of Moses, fornication was a capital offense. You lose your life for that. And I had always thought, God, that is so severe. I mean, if we had to apply that in today's society, we might not have too many people left to even be a part of uh, the body of Messiah. But uh, I said, God, why was that? And I heard him say this, son, that wasn't my severity. That was my mercy. Think about it how many children were ever conceived outside of that protective hedge where they could be demonized when there was a, a strong deterrent like that? That was mercy for the children. And I said, oh, I never thought of that. I never saw that. And here's what I realized, Sid, that marriage, the covenant of marriage, is the protective hedge that keeps children from being afflicted by demonic spirits. Now, you and I as adults understand and realize that there is spiritual warfare we understand that there are things we need to do to protect ourselves against demonic attack but a child in the womb how is that child going to protect itself so so what happened to this five-year-old well what finally happened then i told the the woman this uh, the mother and uh, she really wept because she felt so guilty she said well what do i do I said, here's what you can do. This is the good news. The bad news is you opened a door in the Spirit... Because there was no protective hedge of marriage and allowed a demonic spirit to afflict your child. The good news is this. You have authority to close that door. I said, I want you to bring your husband and your son in here with your pastor. And uh, you pray to break the power of the iniquity of lust that actually, as I talked to her more, had come down for several generations. There had been the same problem in her parents' grandparents, so it wasn't first generation that started with her, break the iniquity of that lust, release it to the cross of Jesus, and then release upon your son the purity that Jesus Christ died to pay for, and then you command that demonic spirit to leave, and you have authority, it will go. She said, we will do that. I came back to that city about two months later, and this woman was the first one to come running up to me at a meeting, and she had her little five-year-old boy uh, in tow, you know, with, uh, by the hand. She said, do you remember me? And I didn't because I'd seen a lot of people, but she began to share the story again, and I said, oh, yeah, now I remember. She said, you wouldn't believe it. We did exactly that. We closed the door to that lust broke the power of the iniquity and commanded that spirit to leave. And she burst into tears and she said, I got my son back. I got my son back. He's a normal five-year-old little boy, doesn't know anything about lust, doesn't remember any of the jokes, doesn't remember any of the words, is completely innocent, doesn't even know anything about sex. And she began praising the Lord. I thought that is amazing. And you know what I learned, Sid? What's that? Is the power of the covenant of marriage, that that is the protective hedge that keeps children mm. in a womb from being demonized. And most people don't know that. They think, well, it's just a piece of paper. I've had people come to me and say, do you mean to tell me there's a difference if I sleep with my uh, girlfriend 10 minutes before the wedding ceremony or uh, an hour after w- the wedding ceremony? I said, absolutely, there's a difference because what happens in, the, in a covenant of marriage is something supernatural. There's a supernatural protection that uh, blocks the enemy from being able to touch children in the womb. And outside of that, uh, there is no hedge of protection. And since that uh, I had that experience, I've seen that same thing happen many, many times. And many people get free as they've learned that uh, I opened a door and actually released my child to be cursed because there was no protective hedge. And, uh, and when we prayed to break that by the power of the blood of Jesus, it changed everything for uh, the child.
0: What about there are a lot of children that are, are plagued their whole life with rejection? Yeah. Tell me about a, 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 an example of someone like that.
1: Yeah, I've, uh, I've met many, many people that have uh, struggled with rejection or depression is another thing. Their whole life that have come right from the womb when we've prayed with those people and said, Lord, where did this start? Uh, the Lord took them right back to uh, times in the womb where, again, there was no protection, and many times where parents, maybe a mother, for example, said over her daughter, I don't want a child. You're a bother to me. I wish you'd go away. Uh, in some cases, parents have even tried to abort their children, or the mother has tried to abort the child. And uh, I remember one woman that struggled with deep, deep depression for, uh, for all of her life until she was in her 40s when we were able to pray with her. And I identify that what had actually happened is there had been a, a cursing of her identity in the womb when her father had been killed in the war. She had been born back in World War Two, and uh, her father had been killed in the war. The grief was so severe in her mother's life and the mother had spoken uh, terrible things over her daughter and wished herself to die. I wish I could just die. I wish my little baby would die. And uh, that had uh, gotten in the, in the heart of that uh, that woman and she carried that depression on into her 40s until we could pray with her and uh, break the power of that by the blood of Jesus
0: uh, what about people listening right now that have aborted children uh, or as as you said
1: perhaps had the thought of aborting and never did All these doors can be closed. Absolutely. And that's the good news. I mean, sometimes people hear these things and they become afraid or they become very guilty uh, because they have opened these kinds of doors by speaking curses over their children. uh, I wish this child would go away or trying to abort the child. But as you just said, the good news is that Jesus died and shed his blood to break the power of that. And uh, that's what people can – I mean, we can pray with, with people that are struggling with that right now. And uh, they can get more help through the book and the CD that's uh, being offered this very week. But let's pray with people that uh, have had that. Go for it. So, Father, right now, I pray for every person listening that uh, wounded or spoke a curse into the life of an unborn child, either trying to abort that child or... uh, or wishing that that child were never born. And Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus to reverse that. Thank you that Jesus Christ died, that that child would not have to die. And Father, I pray right now for the blood of Jesus to begin to cleanse and heal and deliver and reverse that curse in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, What about a parent
0: that's disappointed because they wanted a son and they had a daughter? What effect does that have
1: on the child? I've seen that happen sometimes, Sid. Two things will happen. I've seen little boys that feel like they should have been little girls and there can actually be a root of homosexuality planted right at the time of birth. Uh, when parents uh, desperately wanted a boy and it was a girl or wanted a girl and it was a boy. And uh, people will struggle with gender confusion sometimes uh, for many, many years as a result of that. A second thing that I've seen happen uh, is uh, many times when a child has been rejected at birth, uh, there's a feeling I don't measure up. No matter what I do, I've got to strive and strive and strive. And uh, that son or daughter grows up feeling like no matter how, how much I accomplish, it's not enough. Or
0: the other way, they don't
1: even try. That, they, they either are super achievers or they don't even try. That's another potential response is just giving up and saying, I'll never amount to anything.
0: Most believers I know don't even have a clue about what we're talking about this week. And we're talking about the supernatural power of a parent's Blessing and the supernatural power of a parent's cursing, and how there are doors that give access to the demonic, that stop you from hearing God's voice, that stop you from having a good marriage, that stop you from having children that honor you, uh, From that stop you from being successful in, in, in your vocation, uh, that affect your thinking, uh, that, that affect whether your temperament, everything about you. And the doors can be closed. And it's not some super spiritual thing. It, it's just basic 101, uh, and and that's why I'm so thankful that Craig Hill wrote a book called The Power of a Parent's Blessing. I don't think anyone, Craig, comprehends how supernatural this is. Now, you were talking earlier this week about a culture of honor, and we, we have just the opposite uh, throughout the world, not just here in America. Mm-hmm. And uh, you learned some lessons on disciplining children, your own children, how can you
1: do it uh, w- without just crippling them? You know, when we're talking about blessing and cursing, uh, Sid, blessing answers two questions, who am I and why am I here? So does cursing. Blessing is God's answer, which is you're loved, you're valuable, you're precious, you have a purpose and destiny. Cursing is you have no value You're not loved. You have no purpose. You have no destiny. And I find uh, that the biggest problem that parents have is cursing when they're trying to discipline or when they're trying to correct. Somebody might be listening and saying, well, am I supposed to just say nice things to my kids all the time? Is there never a time when I correct? Is there never a time when I discipline? And the answer is no, of course you're going to have to discipline. But how would I discipline without taking value? And uh, that is one of the hardest things. Now, God has to do that with us, and the way that God does it is he separates identity from behavior so he can bless who we are while applying a consequence to what we do. What that means is God doesn't accept everything we do. He has to reject sin. He has to reject things that are wrong, but yet he still accepts us. So how do you do that as a parent? Most parents don't do well at it. What I, find, uh, what I found in, in raising my own children, the struggle was to not reject my children when I had to reject their behavior, when I had to correct behavior and say, what you did was wrong, but I still love you. And uh, what I found the way that God does that I found, really, Sid, there are two two systems of government on, uh, on the earth. The devil has a system that I call the system of control, and that is where he links identity with behavior and curses your identity to correct your behavior. God's system is the opposite. What God always does is separates the two so that he can bless who you are even when he has to correct what you do. So God says, for example, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, Choose this day, blessing or cursing, life or death. It's your choice. And so, for example, God doesn't force anybody to receive Messiah. He offers a choice. He says, you're separated by your sin from me, and it's eternal forever. But here's an opportunity. Jesus, the Messiah, died for you, and if you receive him and accept what he did— you can be forgiven for your sin and live eternally with me. But the choice is yours. I don't force you. I won't make you. I won't yell at you and take your value away. If you don't choose to receive Messiah, I will weep for you because I love you. So how would you apply it in a home? Uh, well, 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 I have to ask you, how did you apply it in your home? Well, the the very first time I, I learned about it, uh, I was pastoring. And uh, my my children were uh, four and seven at the time. And my youngest son, uh, Johnny, was uh, in Sunday school. And uh, after church, I came out, and there he was standing in the foyer with his Sunday school teacher. And uh, the teacher said, Pastor, we had a little problem with Jonathan in the class today. And uh, then she told me, she said, I asked him to do something, and he said no. And I asked him again, and then he called me this name. And it was a terrible name. I didn't even know he knew that word. And uh, I felt my face turning three shades of red uh, when she told me that. And I thanked her, and there was uh, my son standing across the way there in the foyer. And so I thought, I'm going to spank him right now just so that this teacher knows that I'm serious about this. And he'll never use that word again as I was on my way over to spank him. The Holy Spirit stopped me because my heart was filled with anger, and the anger was because he had embarrassed me. He'd made me look bad, and uh, I was going to spank him not for his benefit, but I was going to spank him in anger because he made me look bad, and the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, You're about to curse your son. You're about to be the devil's agent instead of God's agent because what you're going to do is take his value away from him. You're going to impart to him that when he does right, you love him and you'll bless him. But when he does wrong, you'll curse him. You'll take his value and you'll make him feel worthless. And God said, I never treat people that way. When people sin, I love them just the same as when they do right. And that's what I want you to do as a father. Well, how does God do that? But yeah, how can you discipline and love and, simultaneously? Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's a hard thing. And what I learned was this, what God always does is God offers choices with consequences, and then he applies the consequence with a smile, as it were. And uh, for example, uh, one lady was uh, struggling with her teenage daughter, with uh, not taking out the trash, that was her chore. Was and and the daughter uh, many times wouldn't take out the trash on the on the night when she was supposed to do it, and then it would be left in the house, and then the mother would have to take it later, and that sort of thing. And uh, so she would uh, yell and scream at the daughter, "Take out that trash!" And of course, when you yell and scream at somebody, you're taking away their value. You're you're Satan's agent, not God's agent. What she learned was to separate identity from behavior and to offer choices with consequences. So she told her daughter, honey, you acknowledge it's your job to take out the trash on Tuesday night, right? She said, yes. Honey, if you don't do it, you're going to have to take responsibility for the trash for the rest of the week. Do you understand that? The daughter said, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Well, of course, she forgot the next Tuesday night, and uh, when she came home from school Wednesday afternoon, the trash had been gathered up and put in bags and set in the middle of her room. And uh, the daughter said, "Mom, what's all the trash doing in my room?" And and the mom said, "Well, honey." that 's the consequence of you not taking the trash out, remember, you agreed you would take responsibility for it, and so it 's your trash for the next week and <laughs> uh, You know, the daughter uh learned and uh, and she took the trash out the next week, but the mother simply applied a consequence with a smile rather than yelling and screaming and being angry, simply deciding what is the consequence and uh, And what happened with my uh son? is uh, after the Holy Spirit confronted me, I realized I don't need to yell and scream and be angry with him. I need to deal with my own heart and find out from God, why am I so angry about that? And it it had to do with uh, cursing of identity in my own life that had never been dealt with. And
0: you know, usually I find when people are really angry— it's got nothing to do with the circumstances.
1: No, that it, anger was there for a long time. It's it's triggering a deep lie on the inside that usually came from cursing of identity when uh, that person was small. And uh, so then I was able to to tell my son, Johnny, uh, I don't love you any more when you say good things than when you say bad things. I love you the same. You'll always be my son. I'll always love you. But there's a consequence to speaking a word like that to your teacher, which hurt her feelings. And I'm going to have to spank you, not because I don't love you, but because I do love you. But then I could do it with a smile and with a right heart and let him know, your value hasn't changed in my sight. You're still the same, just as valuable as you were before you did something wrong. Craig, one last profound thought to leave our people with. Well, the 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 most important thing is for you to realize is that, that whether you've ever been blessed or not, you can go to God, your Father, right now and receive an impartation of blessing that perhaps your parents never gave you. And secondly, you can learn how to bless your own children and start a whole new cycle of blessing for the next generation. And that's why I so love your book, The
0: Power of a Parent's Blessing. I I wish I had had this book uh, when I was a brand new parent. I wish my parents had had this book. But you can change the destiny of your life and your children's life and their children's life and on and on. In addition to the book, which has supernatural prayers of blessing for the critical times in everyone's life. It also shows you how to reverse the curses, how to close the door to the curses, and change the destiny of everyone in your house. We're making the book and the two CD series called "Soaking Up the Father's Blessing." When you hear this, I mean, every, you'll have every, you'll be so blessed that every area of your life is going to prosper. The two CDs and the book available for a gift of $35, Shabbat broadcast. Let me pray over you. And this is a blessing. The Lord is blessing you right now. The Lord is smiling upon you right now. The Lord is surrounding you with his favor right now. The Lord is gifting you. If you just hold your hands out, you'd receive. The Lord is gifting you. Right now, the Lord is giving you His shalom. In Hebrew, that means completeness, His completeness right now in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body in the name that is above every problem you have. Yeshua HaMashiach Tzikinu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. Eradu nay panav lecha vichonecha. Isadu nay panav shalom. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming mishpocha or Khalitzim, write to me, Sidroth, Post Office Box, 39222 Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast... Send a donation to Sid Roth, that's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.